This is the HuffPost Love and Sex Podcast. Each month, we explore love and sex by asking a single question. To find the answers, we speak with experts and listeners like you. This episode contains explicit material. Please proceed with caution. I'm Noah Michelson. And I'm Karina Kolodny. This week's question is, what is the reality behind Fifty Shades of Grey? Who's to say that love needs to be soft and gentle? So, who's my next victim? Just in time for Valentine's Day, Fifty Shades of Grey is due out in theaters this week. In case you've been living on another planet, Fifty Shades of Grey is a book series by E.L. James that was originally conceived of as erotic Twilight fanfiction. Basically, a young virgin co-ed named Anastasia meets a dashing billionaire named Christian Grey, and she's pulled into his fetish-filled world. The film's expected to dominate the box office, mostly due to the trilogy's already existing cult following. Literally, everyone and their mom has read these books, which took the book world by storm because this is a series that revolves around bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadism, and masochism. That's a mouthful, so most people just refer to it as BDSM. And going forward, we will too. Last year, even my 90-year-old grandma was reading it. I mean, she only got 78 pages in before she rejected it as being really boring, but she still felt compelled to pick it up. But mainstream audiences aren't the only ones who have been affected by the phenomenon. So we wanted to know, what do people that practice some of these fetishes or identify as part of this community actually think about Fifty Shades of Grey? And probably more importantly, we wanted to know firsthand what BDSM is really like. We tracked down a duo of dominatrixes, or is that dominatrixi? Miss Mona Payne and Miss Nina Rogers, who, unlike the movie's main character, Anastasia, are the ones in control and who make their livings by helping to fulfill the desires and needs of the submissive men who seek them out for BDSM sessions. These two have literally written the book on BDSM in that they've written a book on BDSM called Kisses to Kink, A Dominatrix's Guide to Great Sex. Chatting with two dominatrixes seemed like a pretty solid way to start looking for some answers. And Mona wasn't shy when it came to telling us about some of her gripes with Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey for me, first of all, being a dominant female is not my fantasy. It is, you know, really hard for me to relate to. It was really not well written. And being that I, you know, have been experiencing this um, uh, scene for a while, it was like giving Evil Knievel like a tricycle. And being like, here, get excited over that. And you just you just can't. And it's not an accurate depiction of what a consensual BDSM relationship can be. Um, honestly, Anastasia's um, character in the book, I mean, she was very naive. She didn't have a lot of life experience. And then you're meeting this you know, guy that's like, you know, so much more advanced than you, this and that. And you could tell she just wanted like a normal kind of vanilla relationship that was maybe like a little kinky. And he was just so extreme about things. And he was just like, well, if you want me, you have to have me like in this capacity. Like this is the only way. I didn't really feel like that was really consensual. I don't feel like either of them, and I only made, barely made it halfway, or not halfway through, barely made it through the first book. But it was just like my understanding was like neither of them were getting what they wanted, really. 
you know? And it's just, to me, just, yeah, it wasn't accurate at all. Listen to me. I don't do romance. My tastes are very singular. You wouldn't understand. Enlighten me then. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I, I can't completely 100% knock Fifty Shades of Grey. Everybody's entitled to have their own fantasy. It is good for, you know, people to read erotica, preferably better written erotica, but, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's good to have fantasies and it's good to explore and just keeping in mind that not, that, that certain fantasies don't always translate well into reality. But I think, yes, I think that it is good that people are starting to talk about it. I think that, Hopefully, people that are getting interested in it will come to classes um, or seek out actual educational, um, you know, avenues to to really explore and to understand what it's about. That kind of struck us. I mean, neither of us really thought Fifty Shades was factual or an accurate portrayal of BDSM. Mona said that she wanted people to do their own exploring so they could understand what BDSM is really about. For many people, when you mention BDSM, images of more traditional and perhaps less intimidating fetish play, like using handcuffs and giving spankings, immediately come to mind. But we wanted to know, what's at the other end of that spectrum? Well, to give you an idea, Mona specializes in things like trampling and ball busting. Okay, I think I can guess at what that is, but what is it? Mona's literally trampling on someone and busting his balls. Like on the genitals? Yeah, like stepping on them or crushing them. Okay. Her website says that she also indulges clients in electroplay by stimulating them with things like cattle prods. I'd also like to note that there's the option of human furniture. And you folks at home can guess at what that one means. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. At the extreme end of the BDSM scene... Some people can get into things like blood play, cutting or branding their partners, or being suspended from the ceiling. So that's some of what actually takes place during some real-life BDSM sessions. But I also think Mona was implying that Fifty Shades gets it wrong at almost a psychological or ideological level, right? And if that's the case, we should probably back up and talk to someone who can speak to that. In terms of Fifty Shades and in terms of what BDSM really is. I'm Jana Vrangalova. Uh, I'm an adjunct professor of human sexuality at uh, the psychology department at NYU. I have a PhD in developmental psychology from Cornell University, and I study various expressions of sexuality like casual sex, um, consensual non-monogamy, sexual orientation. Yeah, I think she'll do. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey got, you know, so such a wide readership and so so much popularity. In terms of how accurate it is in portraying BDSM, it's not very accurate. And pretty much any person who's had any sort of experience, personal or professional, with with the BDSM world will will tell you that. Probably one of the biggest things that that people had a problem with was its conflation with abuse, sort of presenting you know, people who might be into BDSM as, as damaged, sort of perpetuating that stereotype that especially any dominant desires have to come from some trauma and abuse and, and that these people are abusive people, which is, is really not true. But Christian Gray, I mean, his character is an abuser. 
In case you forgot, Christian Grey is the dashing billionaire at the center of Fifty Shades we mentioned earlier. He's, he's emotionally unavailable. He is sort of exploitative. He doesn't really seem to care much about his partner's well-being, her desires, her interests. He has no respect for her level of experience. You know, you don't just take someone who's a complete virgin, who's never masturbated, who doesn't even have an email address, and then uh, and, and certainly has absolutely no, uh, no uh, knowledge of any kind of sexuality and just all of a sudden throw them into this this lifestyle when they don't express any desire to do so. I mean, there, there certainly may be virgins out there who have interest in this, but um, she doesn't seem to. In fact, she actively kind of says she doesn't want that. She wants sort of a vanilla relationship where someone loves and cares for her and he doesn't provide that. So so that's not exactly what you see in BDSM. And it's certainly not what you should see. It's not what is being promoted as a safe and consensual way of doing BDSM. You need to have informed consent and you need to sort of have a an, an informed conversation with your partners uh, about what is acceptable and what isn't. So it has to be based on consent. And, and their interaction just doesn't seem based on consent. A lot of my colleagues and, and friends in, in, in the sex positive world say that there's nothing positive that comes out of Fifty Shades. They absolutely hate the book and hate what it's done to to our world. I, I don't see it that way. I, I have a more of a balanced perspective. Yes, it portrays BDSM in a slightly you know wrong light and it makes people think that abuse is, is what BDSM is and that abuse is okay. But it also did something that no other better book about BDSM has ever done, and that's bring kink out in the open and bring kink out to so many people, so many people who we thought were more vanilla than vanilla, right? Who we thought never even wanted sex, never even thought about sex. And look, all of a sudden, they not just want sex, but they want kinky sex. So I think um, on, a, on a social broader social level, it, it did some great things. It said, look, people are interested in, in these new things that we had very sort of, sort of strong prejudices against. It normalized it. It made it more acceptable to think about, to talk about. It even did something more basic uh, than that, said that women, because women were sort of the main readers of this book, women really are interested in sex, period. You know, Midwestern housewives who we thought forgot about sex a long time ago, all of a sudden turned out not to have. So from that perspective, I think it did some great things. We now talk about sex a lot more and a lot more openly, and that's it's a conversation we should have been having um, long ago. So it's obvious that lots of people think Fifty Shades isn't so great in terms of how it portrays BDSM. And yeah, the writing is a mess. But when something causes a cultural phenomenon of this magnitude, you probably can't totally dismiss the books, can you? I mean, there has to be something there, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a shame to just throw it out. And I don't think you can, because if it's become this successful, whether you love the writing or hate it... Mm there's something there that you have to at least capitalize on. And it seems like that's what everyone's trying to do here. Yeah, it's got people talking. And I think more importantly, it has people talking about sex, which is something we actually still don't do even in 2015. So we wanted to ask her from a psychological perspective again, if it's not about abuse, is it totally normal? Is it totally acceptable from a psychological perspective? 
And the research that we do have um, finds that people who are engaged in BDSM are just as normal as everyone else. They don't seem to have any more problems with um, depression or anxiety or self-esteem or um, you know uh, antisocial personality uh, problems and violence. And so they they seem very similar to um, uh, you know vanilla people. Uh, if anything, there there are some studies that find that uh, BDSM people are, are doing a little better in some aspects, um, like they have a more positive body image, for example, and that kind of stuff. So from sort of anecdotal evidence and just in general, you know, when there's a lot of repression that usually goes together with a lot of guilt and shame about these desires that you have um, that you don't feel you know, safe or, or, or comfortable expressing, and, and that's never a good thing. I mean, it doesn't have to be sex, whatever it is, if you're repressing who you are, that always has negative consequences down the road. So it, it ends up coming out somehow, whether it's going to be in some, some sort of a depression or, or anxiety or just general dissatisfaction with life or maybe even violence and that kind of stuff. Okay, so here's what we've got so far. People in BDSM don't love Fifty Shades. Fifty Shades doesn't give readers a realistic view of BDSM. And there's nothing wrong with BDSM from a psychological standpoint. Actually, it's good for you to act out your desires rather than repress them. So long as they're safe and consensual, which, according to Nina, one of the doms we talked to earlier, is the foundation for any foray into BDSM. BDSM is a consensual relationship where both parties negotiate and agree on specific uh, interests and and activities they're going to be exploring. And those can range from anything from the physical, like spanking or tying someone up, to mental, as far as, you know, how you're going to address each other, either as dominant or mistress or master, etc. All these things are carefully negotiated and explored. But the intention behind all of this is to bring pleasure to both parties. And that is really what BDSM is about. It's about having fun and about exploring a different side of yourself that doesn't always get a chance to be let out. And it's kind of taking a little vacation from your personality and, and becoming you know, somebody else or, or exploring other possibilities. But at the end of the day, it's all about consent and it's all about mutual, mutual pleasure. And I didn't really get that sense from Fifty Shades of Grey that that was the main intention for this relationship between the two main characters. I think another big misconception a lot of people have about BDSM is that it's all about sex and that the whole point of it is to get off. But that's not actually the case. As Mona explained, BDSM can be about many things, including sex, but it's not just about sex. People generally tend to think that BDSM and sex are synonymous. It's not necessarily true. Like, there are definitely clients that come to see me that this is more than just their sexuality. You know, if they are truly submissive, they just need an outlet for their submissive energy or behaviors, so on and so forth. Um, And I think that especially men due to gender roles and just the way society is, they don't really have that. Like, it's not really accepted for them to, you know, be perceived as weak or beneath or whatever the case may be. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's it's yin and yang. Everybody has different sides to them, and they need to be able to express that. So, yeah, I kind of view what 
I do as a professional dominatrix as just, you know, an outlet for so many, for people in so many different ways, not just their sexuality, but their mental, emotional, physical needs also. But wait, let's hold up for a second. Mona and Nina are professionals. I mean, they get paid to do this. But what about people who are involved with BDSM recreationally? There's lots of different ways to get into the scene, including visiting a BDSM dungeon. Yeah, when we were doing research for this episode, I started Googling New York BDSM, and one of the autofill options was dungeon. So I autofilled and did a little homework. I'm now basically the Nellie Bly of dungeons, and found this place called Paddles NYC. Which is not Susan Sarandon's ping pong club. It's New York's only public BDSM dungeon. Michael Alito has been the owner of Paddles since he opened it in the 70s. He said he'd be happy to talk with us for this podcast, but we should come down to the dungeon on a Saturday night at 11 so we could see for ourselves what it was all about. I had an idea of what I was getting into, but the whole experience kind of confounded my expectations. The thing is, Paddles is like any other nightclub. It is no guarantee. It's like a, uh, a pickup bar. You know, that when you walk in the door, they don't guarantee you're going to pick someone up and have sex with them. So people have to come to Paddles, and it's up to them to meet someone. We open the door, and we have people that come in who are on the same mindset as they are. So the chances are much better than going to your neighborhood Irish pub and trying to pick up someone at the BDSM, but, but it's, like it's still up to Florida them. And someone was like, oh wait, there's someone from Pennsylvania, do you know them? It's like just because you're in the SM place doesn't mean that you're going to be into the same thing at all. Right. There's just such a wide spectrum of, of likes and dislikes that, you know, being People in the you know, someone else is in a bondage, so, you know, like, being in an SM community doesn't guarantee that, you know, everyone's compatible. People email me all the time or ask me when they walk in. You know, we say, oh, when people walk in and you want a tour, they say, well, how do I meet someone? They think they have to come in, oh, oh, hi, I'm, I'm Jack. Uh, are you into spanking? You know, that is the biggest turn off. Right. You know, it's like someone going to a pickup bar. Hi, my name is Jack. Uh, do you like anal sex? I say, you know, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you come, I tell people you come in and you just act like you do anyplace else and just let, let the person you talk to see that you're a nice guy. You're not uh, obsessed with, with uh, just coming here and getting into a scene. You know, just come and talk to them like you would normally anyone else and realize that they are here most likely for the same reason you are. So you just have to talk, and, and if it doesn't work out with that person, then you know, go speak with someone else, and, and that's how you, you, you meet someone. But if you come in aggressive and, well, I'm a dom, you so, you know, the person going to say, I don't even know you, why are you telling me what sexuality you are? So what was the vibe like? It was surprisingly comfortable. Probably because the second we walked in, we were greeted by what I like to call the consent concierge. The consent concierge. I'm turned on already. Well, then you should definitely go check it out because there are quite a few of them. And they were basically there to talk to everyone who came in about what was on and off limits, laying out the dungeon ground rules. And they said they were on hand if there were any issues. How civilized. Right? I actually wish that they had them at bars in the East Village because, honestly, I felt way safer at Paddles than I do in so many of those environments. So after the concierge, was it just full-on dungeon? No, more like full-on YMCA in the first room. They had a dry bar stocked with your standard after-school snacks. 
ice cream sandwiches and juice packs, that kind of stuff. But the dry bar is like the meeting place where people are fully clothed and really just talking. It's the rooms past that first one where scenes are actually taking place. Okay, so I'm going to need some details here. Okay, so there was a naked dude suspended in a human-sized birdcage and all sorts of other places to chain people up or chain people down, I guess. You know, this actually makes sense. Because when our dominatrix friend Nina told us about her entry into BDSM, she mentioned a lot of the same things. And she said despite the reputation it has, it's actually a pretty laid-back and welcoming community. Years ago, I was a DJ, and I had been traveling the world DJing, and I was living in Tokyo at the time, DJing there, and someone had found out about me and asked me to start DJing at their fetish parties. And up until that point, I had really very minimal knowledge of what kink was. Um, So when I came to these fetish parties, and I'm seeing all these people dressed up in latex and leather and looking really hot and sexy, and I'm playing music, and, and I'm just seeing like this amazing energy, just very welcoming and very open-minded and, and very exciting. Um, I, I was interested in learning more about it, so I started meeting people in the BDSM community and also women that were involved as professional dominatrixes. And they told me, do you want to come learn about kink and come into our sessions? Because being in Japan, being a tall, blonde American woman was, uh, you know, a commodity. And people were really interested in having that sort of woman in their sessions. So I trained with them and I found it so fascinating, the psychology and and how exciting it was. So finally, um, I'm ready for my very first session and um, the gentleman is like in his 80s and he can't speak any English whatsoever. And all he wants to do is dress up in a chicken costume while I sit there and watch him shove hard-boiled eggs up his ass and cluck around like a chicken, pushing them back out again. And that is all I did was just sit there and watch this man do this. And he's still my client today. I've known him for 10 years plus. Um, and when I had this first encounter, I was, first of all, I was like, I can't believe I'm making $300 watching somebody dress in a chicken costume and I have all my clothes on. I'm not like interacting with them sexually. I can't believe this. This is amazing. But what was the best part of it was just, you know, afterwards him just being so elated and happy and like, thank you so much, mistress. That was amazing. I'm like, what did I do? I just sat there. Um, But yeah, it was just so intriguing and and so unlike anything I've ever experienced before. And it was just something that I wanted to continue moving forward with. Um, And and here we are, you know, 10 years later, and it's still a lot of fun and very exciting. I just can't get over the man with the chicken costume. I mean, I I can't get over that. In the words of our producer, Caitlin, 50 shades of yellow. But I actually totally love that. Because if you think about it, Nina and Mona's whole job is about helping people fulfill their desires without shame or embarrassment. They're almost like spiritual healers. Being a dominatrix is really more about being a guide almost. You know, people come to us with these fantasies that a lot of the time they don't feel comfortable telling anyone else, um, not even their therapists about. So we not only play uh, a role in sort of bringing them into this fantasy world, 
but we also sort of act as a supporter of the of their inner being really and um, while we don't participate in sexual activities like intercourse or uh, oral sex or anything of anything like that there is a sexual element still there and it's very erotic um, but there's such uh, intimacy about it that I think is being overlooked because we're not just there to provide climax or orgasm to the partner we're there to you know guide the client into this sort of uh, alter universe and it's not really about the destination it's about the journey right And it's a journey people all over the world take. I've been a dominatrix in so many different countries, and it's really interesting to see the cultural differences between all the countries. For example, living in Japan, um, which is predominantly more of a sexually repressive society, um, because of that, there is um, a lot of these underground sort of kinky places and the types of sessions I would engage in in Japan are very different than if I was in London and whatnot. They tend to be a lot more like crazier and out there. I don't know if it's because of the anime there, <laughs> really crazy anime that they got going on. I don't know. But um, yeah, the Japanese uh, would be very, very kinky and very wildly creative and imaginative sessions. But then I would be in London and I'd live in London for a while. And that scene there for me was predominantly corporal punishment. Like people wanted canings, paddles, spankings. And then, uh, you know, we've traveled to like Dubai um, a couple times and there it was all foot fetishes and, and people that just wanted to worship your feet and legs and that's it. Um, and that was really interesting, right, to see the different sort of, you know, differences in the cultures of what people were more interested in exploring in that country. It's so interesting because it's such a wide variety of people. I think like one of my youngest clients was like 18, oldest clients like, you know, 88 and, uh, you know, people from all walks of life, you know, not just the Wall Street guys or yeah. these high powered executives. It's also, you know, teachers, construction workers, professors. I mean, there's all different types of people that we come in contact with, with all different types of backgrounds and, and interests, uh, which makes it so much more fun and so interesting. So, you know, dealing with not just the politicians and the celebrities, but dealing with garbage men and, and, and that on a daily basis, you're just constantly stimulated by different types of people, which is really, really exciting. What, if any, of this do you think is the most surprising? I guess I'm most surprised by just how many different kinds of people are involved in BDSM. Actually, two scientists conducted a study that was published in the Journal of Sexual Medicine that says 50% of the populace has admitted to a domination or a submission fantasy. And a new study says it's helping people relax. I think that's really interesting because one of the common misconceptions about BDSM seems to be that it's this really niche, extreme fetish. But based on that study you mentioned and, and what we've learned, it seems like a huge percentage of the population has at least some degree of interest. Yeah, and I think one of my favorite points was when Zana talked about this other misconception, that BDSM is maybe anti-feminist or anti-woman. There's one thing that, that people often talk about and confuse um, sort of one of the myths, I think, about BDSM, especially when it comes to women, is that, that women can be feminist and submissive. Right. Um, 
and that always gets it gets raised as an issue. Um, like we've spent all this time trying to teach women to be more assertive and more dominant and take take control of their lives, and 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 now this whole submission thing is is bringing them back and backwards. Um, and how can you be a feminist and submissive? And I think that's that's completely wrong you can you can totally be a feminist and decide you know with this great control that you have over your life and this great assertiveness that you um want to give up control like um you know submission does require a lot of um a lot of control you know and that's another thing that i have a problem with 50 shades of gray you know it, it presents submissives as completely spineless personless people right this this woman just has no idea who she is and what she wants in life and uh you know she needs someone to tell her everything uh about who she is and that's often not the case submissives do have a very clear sense of who they are and what they want in life and this is what they choose very in a in a very agentic sort of way um uh and and that's another thing that we can't let you know people kind of get lost in. So we've covered a lot of fronts from feminists to garbage men, but what about Fifty Shades fans? What about people who maybe wanted to explore a little in the bedroom or wanted to add a little kink into their lives but probably wouldn't go to the dungeon? Mona and Nina had some advice on that front too. Open up a dialogue of what you might be interested in. And I think that's the important place to start is just to have that initial conversation and like, you know, I might be interested in this and I might be interested in that and being open-minded and letting your partner, um, just letting your partner talk and just hearing them out because you know what, you guys are just talking right now. It doesn't mean like, you know, if he's like, oh, I want to string you upside down and you know, da, 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 that you have to be like, oh yeah, I'm totally cool. I'm totally with that. You can be like, okay. All right, that's cool. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. I will definitely think about that. Right now, I'm feeling a little, you know, like maybe we should start with like handcuffs or something. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's all about, yes, communication. It's really what it's all about. And take your time. Take your time. Um, when people are exploring kink, it's not just about the communication, but it's a lot about trust as well. A thing I have against Fifty Shades of Grey is that, you know, the the lead male character is sort of pushing this relationship on a girl that just met him and doesn't really haven't built that foundation of trust yet. So just for any woman or man interested in exploring that, just to, you know, take care of yourself first, of course. Um, get the knowledge you need from reputable sources. Um, you know, our, our company, DommyDolls.com, always offers um, you know, workshops and, and our book and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, you have to take care of yourself and the baby steps and when you're getting involved with other people to just, you know, be careful and to take your time and uh, move slowly because, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy world out there. <laughs> you want to you wanna protect yourself. Different strokes for different folks. It's not for everybody. I will be the first to admit that. Some people are completely satisfied with whatever they got going on. And, and you know, we're not here to force anything else on them either. So, Karina, you went to Paddles. You met some doms. And you talked to a sex expert. Where are you at with BDSM? 
personally? Personally, I was never really uncomfortable with BDSM or with anything associated with it. I don't think that I would be seeking out any more dungeon time, but I I am. I'm happy that I went because it was kind of an empowering experience to go somewhere that you thought of as, as dirty and, and whatever else. And it just makes you realize how how much these things are already issues we're constantly dealing with, like in terms of consent or in terms of talking to your partner in the first place. Mm -hmm. And when you're not having BDSM type sex where you have to actively seek that out, it almost seems more problematic. Like maybe we should take some of those principles and apply it to your vanilla sex or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. your kink happens to be. I think that that's what I took away from it mostly too, is that even if I don't want to be a human coffee table, I, I still You'd think you'd be a great human coffee table. Obviously, by the way. but I, I still think that you know we can learn a lot from these communities, and and it's actually they're very permissive, and they're really in touch. I think much more than a lot of us are with what they want and how they want to get it, and I find that inspiring. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it goes back to some of these crazier stories that we heard from the doms or about what people might be into. And it's easy to laugh or to think like that's extreme or what does that say about that person? But like if you take a step back, who is that really hurting? No one. No one. And as long as you're not hurting anyone else or yourself, unless that person wants to be hurt, then I say go for it. Get what you need. Get what you want. Yeah. But do it safely. I think that's that's the one other point that, that Fifty Shades sort of brought into this. It's great because it started a conversation. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't for the book, probably. Yep. But also, you know, dip your toes in the shallow end before you full-on dive in. I agree. And now we've come to the end of this month's Love and Sex podcast. Please download, rate, and review our show on iTunes. If we get more gold stars this episode, HuffPost has promised to install a human-sized birdcage in our studio. Thanks to our producer, Caitlin Baguki, and a special shout-out to Christopher Mathias, Emily Cassie, and Andy Campbell for production assistance. Our next episode is all about the most powerful and least talked about sex organ. Get excited. Wait, wait, wait. So... Tell me that part again about the Christian Grey flavored popsicle. Right. Okay, this is page 137. My tongue swirls around the end. He's my very own Christian Grey flavored popsicle. Ew. I suck harder and harder. Hmm. My inner goddess is doing the merengue with some salsa mousse. Kill me. Is, is that like mmm yummy or like hmm like what's this? It's awful. Yes, it's just so, awful. Just-